today we're going to share with you four things that you can share with your athletes to help them focus on the basketball court. Coach Craig Rowe here with yet another episode, the fourth one of the Coach Approach. If you haven't checked out the other episodes, make sure you do so. And today I want to talk about how to improve focus on court. I coach a number of athletes uh, in my academy program and one of the biggest problems I see with the athletes I work with is actually their mental focus on court. There are so many things that can distract them and make them lose focus. So today I thought I would share with you four tips that will help your athletes remain focused on court. Some of these tips I actually used myself. So let's get straight into them. So the very first tip that I wanna share with you is one that I actually used as a player myself. I was one of those players that every time something went wrong on the court when I first started playing at the age of 17, I would struggle mentally for the first two or three possessions after I made a mistake. So every time I made a mistake, I would take myself mentally out of the game. So the problem with that is you need to have what we call a next play mindset. So if you haven't heard what a next play mindset is, is you basically need to focus on every single play in and of itself. So we always want to focus on the next play because once a play has occurred, we cannot take back what has occurred in that instance, whether it be a successful shot, a failed shot, a turnover, whatever it might be. So what I actually did to help overcome the adversity that goes with making mistakes when you're very young is to actually use a trigger. Now, this is a little trick that you might get away with if you have the right tools and the right tool is an elastic band. Now, I don't know if you can see that, but I'm actually wearing a elastic band on my wrist. And what I used to do is I used to flick the rubber band that was on my wrist. Now, some referees may not allow that on court, but I played for a number of seasons uh, at school with a rubber band on my wrist and no one ever noticed. So I found one that was roughly a skin tone. And for the first couple of seasons, every time I made a mistake, I would just flick the rubber band and use that as a trigger to actually move myself on. So that was more or less a penalty or a punishment for making the mistake. Funny thing is, is no one else on my team was privy to the fact that I was wearing a rubber band and, and no one noticed. Uh, so if you may get away with it, I certainly did. And I'm not going to say that you might not be asked to take it off if someone notices it. But what I would do is say, try and find if it does work for an athlete in your team, if you have someone with a mental uh, mindset issue where they struggle when they make a mistake, that may well work for them. It certainly worked for me. And it's also worked for some other athletes that I've shared that information with where they've also successfully used a little rubber band on their wrist to help them uh, move on to the next play. So just a little trigger and a little bit of a psychological technique there. Now, the other thing that I used to do to help me focus in game is actually write things that I wanted to work on in game on my arm. So when you're in game, you're obviously in the moment and there's so many things happening that sometimes you're just fog, your brain is a fog. So one of the things I used to do is I used to treat every game as a training session because that's what I tell my athletes is 
every game that you step on the floor is actually a training session. So if you're not trying to improve and work on something new each game, then you're not taking advantage of what that situation presents, which is situational learning and skill acquisition in game. So what I used to do is just write one thing that I wanted to work on on my arm. Now, I didn't necessarily write a book, so I might just put some initials. So I wanted to work on a jab and go or jab and drive. I might just go J and G and leave it on my arm. And when I'd come to like a free throw or a stoppage of play, sometimes I'd just look down at my arm and I would see what I'd written. And I go, that's right, I wanted to work on that today. So then what I'd do is for the next couple of possessions, I would try and work on that aspect. And that helped me focus on skill acquisition and trying to execute things that I've been practicing in training. So that is another tip that you may want to share with your athletes on how to improve their in-game focus on things that they actually want to work on. Now, the next thing that I learned at an early age, which I think is worth sharing with your athletes, if you're a coach or a teacher, is something that is a little bit contentious, but I, I wanna, it, it can be a myth, uh, is looking up and looking at the ring. So what we say at Oswish is look at the ring, see the court. So obviously when you're playing basketball, it's not a game where you're always going to have your head up. You hear a lot of coaches saying, you know, keep your eyes up, keep your eyes up, keep your eyes off the ball. Really what we're trying to do is not have athletes look at the ball when they dribble, but there will be times and moments where as they're navigating through athletes, they're gonna to need to put their head down uh, and look at the ball and or see what's in front of them, depending on where they are. However, one of the advantages of focusing on the ring when you're bringing the ball up the floor or if you're making a drive is that you can actually develop your peripheral vision. So peripheral vision is something that I believe from experience can be trained. And the way I trained it is I would focus on the ring. Now the ring is a central part of the court. So you can do this as an exercise with yourself or athletes is you have your athletes stand on the perimeter on the three point line and have them look at the ring, but try and see everything in their peripheral vision. And what they'll notice is no matter where they stand on the arc, they will be able to see everything in front of them. However, if they turn their head to the side, they will lose sight of part of the arc. So what the advantages of looking at the ring and seeing the court is, is you do tend to see things uh, in the periphery. So looking at the ring is a really important thing. The other advantage it had for me as an athlete, which I also encourage my athletes to do, is look at the ring because you are a threat. If I'm dribbling the ball and I'm not looking at the ring, there's a high chance that I may not shoot the ball. So I developed a habit and I encouraged my athletes to develop a habit of looking at the ring and seeing the court. So they've got to see their teammates. So that is something that was effective in helping me focus on the team aspect of the game. Now, doesn't mean you don't put your head down at times. Absolutely you do. But having your eyes on that target also helps you stay focused when you come to shoot. If your eyes don't leave the target, and something a lot of shooters do, is they'll shoot the ball and they'll follow the flight of the ball with their eyes. One of the things that I would like to do to maintain focus 
is to keep my eyes on my target. And if someone was putting a hand up, it often felt like you were just looking straight through the hand because you had a good look at the ring. Not always the case, particularly on a drive, that you're going to get a chance to always look at the ring at the last moment. You have to navigate the mess. There's going to be hands and people trying to block you. So yes, you're not going to always see the ring. So people may choose to comment in the comments below around, you can't always look at the ring. Yes, I know that, but as a technique of maintaining focus and also being aggressive on offense, uh, looking at the ring and seeing the whole court may give you an advantage over other athletes that don't actually do that and help not only your teammates, but also help you focus ahead of shooting. Now, the last thing that I believe is one of the most important things and often neglected is make sure you nose breathe when you're playing. So what do I mean by nose breathe? Exactly what it says is you have to breathe through your nose. When you breathe through your nose, you actually deliver 20% more oxygen to your lower lungs. Now, what does this mean? More oxygen in the bloodstream. So when there's more oxygen in the bloodstream, it also means that your clarity, your mental clarity improves. The other thing that we all know breathing does, and, and people do this as an exercise when they meditate and or just use mindfulness techniques, is it helps reduce stress. So whenever you're in a stressful uh, moment in a game, take some breaths, but make sure you breathe through your nose. And if you're playing basketball in a cooler environment, nose breathing or breathing and inhaling through the nose actually warms the air too, which helps deliver warm air to your lungs. So they're just some tips that I believe will help you help your athletes focus better in game when they're playing. So if you haven't heard of those, then I hope they help you. If you have, then that's awesome. I hope you share them with your athletes. If you've got other methods that you use to help your athletes improve and stay focused in game, then by all means, share them in the comment section below. Now, at the end of last episode, we had a question on the YouTube channel from New Zealand, from a coach, Coach Anderson. I'll read it out. Hi coach, I am a young basketball coach located in New Zealand, struggling to get parents of teenage kids to pay for my training sessions following COVID. Before last year, he said everything was well, but can I offer some advice? Now, I'm not going to say I know your full situation, Coach Anderson, but what I will say is yes, a number of academies like myself and trainers like yourself have been affected by COVID. So what I, I don't know your full circumstances, so I'm gonna make some assumptions here and I may well be wrong, so feel free to comment if I am. But basically, here's what I would suggest. If you are chasing parents for money for trainings you have already done, then that is a really hard situation to be in. All I can suggest there is that you don't uh, actually do the session and charge them later, that you would have them pay up front and in advance. So with my own programs, it is a pay up front system. So they pay and then they get to play. So that's one method that you may actually use. Now, if you're chasing money, that can be a hard situation because those people may well be finding financial hardship due to COVID. The other thing is, I'm not sure if you're doing group sessions or individual sessions. If it is individual sessions you are talking about and not group sessions, then maybe reducing the cost to those individuals' parents by actually running small group trainings where you reduce the price 
but still work for the same amount of hours and you just include more people. Now, I know there are some COVID restrictions. I will share a link to my COVID safe plan that we're required to have here in Australia. So you might be able to get some ideas on how to better manage COVID in your country if you are experiencing issues around training athletes. We do have a COVID safe plan and we're required to have that here in Australia. So I'm not sure what they have in New Zealand. Uh, and the other thing is that may help is in Australia, and I do believe New Zealand have this, is there is an afterpay system that you can sign up for uh, where you can have people pay and pay off uh, the amount where you will receive payment, but they have deductions coming out um, and it's interest free as long as they pay on time. So maybe going and having a look at the afterpay system may well help you. And uh, also, you know, having online payments may also help. So I know there's a lot, a lot packed into that answer. I hope that helps you. I'm not 100% sure if it, if it will, but that is what I would recommend based on the information you've given me. So thanks for the question. And if anyone else has a question and you wanna reach out to me here on The Coach Approach, then by all means, I'm more than happy to try and answer the question to the best of my ability to help you help others. And that's another episode of The Coach Approach. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you like the tips. And if you do, make sure you give it a thumbs up. If you haven't yet subscribed, hit the subscribe button. And don't forget, we upload a new video in a different category daily here on the channel. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on that. Enjoy the rest of your week. Till next time, we hope to see you in the next one. Thanks for checking out this episode of The Coach Approach. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take time to leave a like. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't yet subscribed and also feel free to share your own experience in the comments below. We hope to see you again in the next one.